This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. This episode is sponsored by the memoir Standing in the Storm, Living with Faith and Cancer by Matt McClary. It's available now from mattmcclary.com, from Amazon and from wherever good Christian books are sold. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Christian Book Blurb podcast. I'm your host, Matt McClary. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the podcast that comes out twice a month um, that aims to help and encourage you um, in your discipleship and your relationship with Jesus as I speak with some amazing Christian authors about their books, their lives and their faith. And in today's episode, we are speaking with the author Heather Leslie Hammer about the topic of keeping your faith in difficult circumstances. So without further ado, let's welcome Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi, Matt. It's so good to be here and to be with your listeners. It's so great that you could join us today. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward so much to have our discussion. Now, our topic today comes from the pages of your book called Shetland Mist, A Shetland Family in the Methodist Movement. Now, I've interviewed lots of Christian authors. There are all sorts of different types of Christian books. So where would you place this book sort of in the genre of Christian writing? What bookshelf might someone find it on if they were looking for it? I'd say historical fiction. Some people call it religious historical fiction. I think that's what Amazon calls it, but uh, it's mainly historical. The religion comes out of the historical time in the Methodist movement in Shetland. Now, your subtitle intrigues me. It talks about um, the Methodist movement um, in Shetland, yet reading the book as a whole, it, it doesn't really focus terribly much on the Methodist movement. It's there in the background, but it's not sort of um, at the forefront of the story. It's not like a history of the Methodist movement, um, which I found a little bit um, surprising. So why choose that as your subtitle? It's really a very personal story, but I discovered that the Methodist movement interjected a, a, a way of practicing faith for the Shetland people during the time of my great-great-grandparents in the 1800s. And when I discovered this historical connection, I realized that this is why my family became active Christians. This is why they were enthused about their faith and they met in small groups and they studied the Bible and they supported one another and they built chapels. And today there are Methodist chapels all over Shetland still. So I discovered this historical connection. I already knew the personal story which had been passed from my dad to me and when I visited Shetland as a child. And so it fit together. And so I wanted it to be the story of the movement a, a whole century after John Wesley. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement in the 1700s. And in the 1800s, it was the missionary movement that came up to Shetland to help the poor people. So that's, that's why I wanted to focus on the history. Why I made it the subtitle was a decision. It was a hard decision to make, actually. I really felt like perhaps my first audience would be Methodist readers interested in the history of their church and their faith. 
Um, and that's been true so far in the United States. Church groups are reading this book and studying it um, over a month and meeting together, sharing their faith as it intersects with the faith of Anne Leslie. Mm, thank you for explaining that. That's really helpful. Um, as you've already mentioned, this book is a very personal book. It's a very personal story because it comes out of your family history. What made you choose Anne to focus your story around? Why not somebody else from your family? I, I can really identify with Anne. I feel like I've poured myself into her character to a great deal. Of course, I didn't know her. Uh, you know, uh, the story starts in 1829 when she marries Robert and um, he's only 16, she's 18. You know, so I just kind of imagined, what would that be like? Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I went with that and I've put myself as a wife and mother into the story. And I've also put myself as a questioning Christian into the story. Anne is not a person of active faith in the beginning of the story, but she asks questions. She doubts God. She doubts what faith can do in prayer. And uh, in that, she grows. She grows in community and with her personal relationship with God. Life is certainly not easy for Anne. She certainly goes through a lot. So what are the broad themes? Um, I'm going to be dealing with broad themes rather than specific themes because I'm hoping the listeners will, will get a flavor and they want to read the book. So if you're listening to this podcast and intrigued by some of the things we're talking about, do go and check out Shetland Mist, A Shetland Family in the Methodist Movement. It's a really good book and it's really immersive. So do go check it out. It'll touch you. It will. Uh, but one of the broad themes that the book deals with is that of isolation. Um, now, do you know if Anne was particularly isolated herself at the time? Or is this more kind of a way that you imagined it to be? Well, I know that she did have neighbors. The population of Shetland was actually a little larger then than it is now, which is interesting to know. So th there were some neighbors, but she was so far from them and they didn't have transportation. So she walked everywhere and she was alone in this croft house and she had many chores. She had to grow the oats and the barley and tend the cow and the sheep and do her knitting in order to have enough money to pay the laird. That was the trucking system at the time, which was very oppressive to the poor people of Shetland. And so she was alone and taken away from her parents and her siblings. And then one by one, she had a child, but she had great tragedies also. So she was alone in that little stone house. And when I imagine that, I imagine tears in my eyes and long hours of waiting. Will my husband come home? Will he survive on the fishing boat? So there was a lot of fear, um, but somehow or other, she did survive. And so I have determined that to be because of her faith. I believe it must have been. Now, just as we're talking about Shetland um, in our conversation, it occurred to me that some of our listeners maybe know, don't know where Shetland is. So Shetland is a place. Um, would you like to just tell us whereabouts it is, the, the geography yes. of the world? Because that might help us make more sense of the story if we are Sure. Uh, Shetland is about 225 miles from Aberdeen, Scotland. And it's an overnight ferry. 
uh, it's it's 12 and a half hours by boat today and uh, it would have been slower earlier when there was no steamships or so forth but um, so this was a long way and it's so far even today that you know it's not on most maps of the UK except in a little box <laughs> and they joke about that we're just in a little box up there yeah so it's a little island off the north yes. coast of Scotland. Yeah. Uh, do you know, is it like in the Arctic Circle or not quite? Is it that far north? I think it is. Almost. It's certainly the land of the midnight sun in the summer. Um, mm. Yeah. And it's it's about at the latitude of Bergen, Norway. Um, Lerwick okay. and Bergen or Bergen are about the same um, latitude and uh, it's a group of islands actually. Um, Unst is the hmm. most northerly place in the UK and it is north of the mainland of Shetland and uh, you know it's another ferry from the mainland so if you go from Aberdeen it's hmm. overnight to get to Lerwick and then you can go by ferry to all these other islands if you wish. Um, my family lived on the mainland on the southern tip at Sambara which, uh, you know, that's how they say it there. Um, it's like Edinburgh. Some people say it differently. Yeah. I'm not, of course, from Scotland, so I'm sure I don't have quite the right twist. But um, somebody has a lighthouse, and uh, it's beautiful there. Totally rugged and beautiful, stark and dramatic. It's great as an author to actually have been to the place. Oh, yeah. It's because you could get the, the sense of it and the experience of it and see what it looks like and it helps you into the writing you can really tell that when you read um, so because Anne was isolated how did she keep her faith through all these difficult times and trials what do you think helped her what with that? she came to readily was prayer prayer is the part of the book that is in the first person she prays herself directly to God and you know she just talks to God <laughs> I was in a, a group of women reading this book together, and one of the women said to me recently, she said, Oh, Heather, I, I now know that it's okay that I pray the way I pray. I said, Well, of course. She said, I pray like Anne, which just means that she talked to God, and she didn't think it was quite right to do that. She thought there had to be some certain way to pray, but this is how I pray. Whatever's on my mind and my heart, I pray. I think she brought to God whatever she was thinking about, but then... As I read over the prayers, I realize that at the end of each prayer, there's often a coming of a calm, a sense of peace, where she then closes the prayer with gratitude, with hope. You know, she'll say to God at the end, keep us in your care, for we know you're always there. Something like that. You know, there's this sense of faith that comes through very positively at the end of each prayer. So I think prayer is her way of dealing with trauma and uncertainty and arriving at a sense of peace. And I suppose it's also because when you keep that connection with Jesus, especially at difficult times, we're told in the Bible, aren't we, that he is the rock that doesn't move, that can't be shaken. So when everything else around you is shaking, when when you, difficult times, um, to keep connected to that immovable, unshakable rock, um, and really gr can really ground you, and give you an anchor, I suppose, in the storm. Yeah, I think also uh, 
like the rock, this image that comes out of nature fed her soul, where there's a couple of scenes where she's sitting at the rocky coast and she's watching the waves and understanding God's constancy in that ebb and flow in and out. And uh, she feels it in the wind. She sees it in the sunset when she hasn't seen any color for months because she's been in such deep grief. Then suddenly she sees, oh, there is color. There is life again, new life for me. And I think so in nature, she finds it also in music and in literature. Her heart is warmed and she's drawn to God and to hope. You mentioned grief there. And that is something that plays um, a big part in Anne's life in the story. And there's immense loss and grief that runs throughout the book. Um, now, these are things that we could all struggle with to keep our faith to keep our faith strong, I was going to say, just to keep our faith sometimes, um, whilst we're going through grief and loss. And in your experience, how can we keep our faith um, in God whilst going through grief and loss? Have you got any tips for our listeners? Not necessarily you've covered in the book. It might just be life lessons shared. I think we face our grief, number one. We name it. We realize it's part of life. And we need to express it with friends around us, with family, perhaps with a pastor. We need to pray about it in words so that it comes out. Um, and then I think we have to realize that in connection to other people, we're not alone. Others walk with us through the grief. They don't take it away. The sadness is there. I have sadness in my own life that comes up all the time from the past. It's not, it hasn't gone away. But I've learned that there is also joy and there's always connection and always help. And all we have to do is turn to God and turn to our faith community for support. That's really helpful. Thank you. Yes, as you say, it's one of those things, isn't it? Grief and loss that um, stays with you. Um, and yes, yep. I think seeking a, a solution or a remedy isn't quite the right way to go about it, but learning how to cope, learning how to deal with it, learning how to carry it in a safe way um, is, is a good thing to explore. It, it's the universal condition, really. We all have suffered loss. There is death as well as life. And so when we accept that and learn to help each other through it, it, it really helps. I, I, I bring in this book not only personal grief and loss, but also social grief social loss, because there's tremendous poverty and oppression of these people in this historical period. And, and I want readers to remember the, the plight of the immigrant, the plight of the person who's, um, you know, a part of a group that's really marginalized and doesn't have opportunities in the way that others do. And so I think this is, this is something that's important in my faith that we not only help one another through personal loss, but also through social grief, social difficulties. And how, how would one go about By doing that? aligning yourself with the people who need to have a voice. So, you know, we, we have a, a soup kitchen for those who are unsheltered or we march in demonstration for the rights of people who have been ignored. 
Um, mm. We deal with how to handle immigration on our borders in the United States today and around the world in Europe. Europeans are experiencing migrants coming all the time. How do we deal compassionately with people whose opportunities are just so much more limited than ours? Um, mm. So I think we stand up for their rights. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Now, you inject faith into the book um, in a good way, in a clever way, through Anne's voice. She sings a lot of hymns as well. She sings a lot. Um, now, was this a deliberate choice to inject faith in this way through hymns and prayers rather yes, than it in is, other ways? Yes, it is. Uh, I love traditional hymns. I, I've been brought up in the faith and uh, worship is an important practice for me. And it was true for the early Methodists that Charles Wesley was the great hymn writer in the 18th century. And those hymns were taught by rote in chapels like in Shetland. And they didn't have an instrument to accompany it, but they sang a cappella. And uh, so I, I've looked at those hymn texts and I've realized this is the language of that time. And these, uh, verses brought hope to people and the whole worship experience trudging through the heather bogs and peat bogs to get to chapel and and then feeling the sense of being the gathered community and hearing the minister in one scene and here's the minister quoting from the bible and then preaching about them and what they're dealing with as a people in shetland and the women without their husbands because they've been you know, off at sea in whaling ships, and then they've died at sea in fishing accidents. And, you know, he preaches about that. And she realizes, oh, this is our faith. This is for me, for my family and our community. So I think the active worship experience is um, a big help to people of faith. And um, I, I'm always recommending it. Go to church if you need to be with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really good advice. And after that piece of really good advice from Heather, we will be taking a short break to hear from our sponsor for this um, episode. And then we'll be back shortly speaking with the author Heather Leslie Stummer about um, Shetland Mist, her novel, and also finding out more about her life and her faith. So stay tuned. We'll see you after these. Hi, I'm author Matt McClary. Standing the Storm is my story of living with faith and cancer in 2016. Packed full of hope, this book will make you laugh and cry. But more importantly, it will help to turn your heart towards Jesus and give you the strength to stand within whatever storm you may be facing. Standing in the Storm, Living with Faith and Cancer is available wherever good books are sold. Get your copy today. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash mattmcclary to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. Hello and welcome back to the Christian Book Blurb podcast. I'm speaking with the author Heather Leslie Hammer about her book, Shetland Mist. Now, 
I know that, um, Heather, you must have spent a lot of time doing research about this, not just into your personal family history, but also into the Methodist movement and life on Shetland in general. But something that I was curious to find out is during the course of your research, was there anything in particular that sort of stood out to you or impacted your life today um, as you were researching these things from the past? Well, visiting Shetland was the most important thing. I was there in 1961 as a child, and the story just weighed on my heart because I was in the place where my great-great-grandparents had suffered greatly. So I kept that in my mind. Then later, when I studied to be a minister, I was very interested in the Methodist archives and the history that had come to Shetland. Um, And then when I went back in 2018, Um, I had a wonderful time there visiting my third cousins. I have five third cousins that live in the Shetland Islands. And I visited a wonderful museum, the Croft House Museum, which actually lets you walk into a Croft House, very much like the one my great-great-grandparents had lived in. And there's a docent there who's dressed the part and keeping the peat fire going. And uh, so I could talk with him about what life was like. What did they eat? How did they make it when they were you know starving and the potato blight came and what happens when the fishermen were out to sea how did they get anything to eat so i learned firsthand from well secondhand from uh, the this croft house museum and there's a wonderful other museum right on the water in lerwick a beautiful library there um, and the Adam Clark Memorial Methodist Church welcomed me and my husband when we came. And so we asked a lot of questions. Also, the Shetland Family History Society told me all about relatives and uh, migration, interesting stories. Um, so really a lot of uh, visiting help. And then beyond that, library research, the Internet is wonderful. Any question you have, you know, when you're writing historical fiction, you have to be careful that you don't insert in insert something that didn't happen historically at that time. So I would check out a lot of facts that way. Um, the Everything in the story is true that is historical as far as I know. Um, the life and death, birth and death dates of the nine children are true. Their names are true and the cause of their deaths are true. Beyond that, it's fiction. I mean, what people said and did, you know, I made that up. Hmm, yeah. But is there anything in all that work that you did, did that something really impact you personally as you went about all of this work? I think the constancy of faith in the island area, um, as evidenced by the chapels that are still standing and the communities that are still gathering, um, the perseverance of the people and how they struggled through great hardship and as a, as a community, they made it um, and, and supported one another in class meetings, we call them in the Methodist movement, where people meet together and pray together about each other's concerns. I would say that's um, the history of the time and place and the constancy of faith of all of the, its people. Mm, thank you. Now, one of the things we like to do here on the Christian Book Blurb is to get to know our author, a little bit better and kind of peel back the curtain or taking off the dust jackets off the book cover or whatever it is in book terms. Um, You mentioned you live in the United States of America. Now, that is a big, big place. So whereabouts, what um, 
shall we call them counties? They're states, states. in America, aren't they? So what states? I live are you in, in California. Oh, and lovely! I live in the Sunshine Coast. Is that it what they is, call it? It is. Today is beautiful. It's about seventy degrees Fahrenheit and lovely uh, spring day. Flowers everywhere. But we do have fog and, you know, El Nino <laughs> is coming, they tell us. So, you know, but it's in, Grace. I live in the East Bay of the San Francisco Bay Area. So the Greater Bay Area, we call it. Oh, so the San Francisco Bridge. Oh, lovely. Great. Is writing your only career? Um, is that all you do? Or do you do other things? Well, I'm a pastor for life, uh, although I'm retired. So I do a great deal of guest preaching and leading retreats and uh, training programs for other pastors, that sort of thing. I just finished a pastoral care training program and I'm doing a retreat on the Lord's Prayer and how the phrase, thy kingdom come, can be lived out in our own time today. Uh, you know, mm. and so, and I'm preaching on Pentecost, which is such a wonderful day to preach because that's the yeah. day of the Holy Spirit coming upon us all. Um, so I do that professionally still, but otherwise for fun, I, you know, I like to swim and walk and cook and talk to friends and help people out when they have problems. <laughs> I, a lot of people come to me <laughs> with their problems. <laughs> that's excellent. Have you got any favorite things that you like to... Um, maybe watch on TV or eat or any particular favorite restaurant or something like that? <laughs> Call the Midwife. Everybody knows that. I love that show. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting now for the next series. Uh, yeah, uh, of course I watched Shetland with Jimmy ah, Perez, the yes. detective. I started watching that. And that was fabulous as long as I had the English captions because believe me, it's hard to understand that dialect. <laughs> uh, and accent but i love i love that and i loved uh i love all of the british shows really uh i prefer them to a lot of our american stuff um all right okay have you got anything coming up soon i bet you're busy doing guest preaching and retreats and all that as well but i find with most authors not everybody but most authors um once they've got a book out there they they want to keep going. There's usually another one or two that start surfacing. So is there anything you're working on at the moment that you might be able to um, divulge a little bit sure. about? Sure. I've done some research, but I have not started writing yet a sequel. By the time I finished the book, I wished I had a sequel right, ready to go. Because that last page of the book, many people have felt not exactly disappointed, but they've their hunger has been whetted to go on. You know, what's next? Yeah, I'm, I must have when when read it. Okay, it's a strange place to end. What happens next? What, what happens, happens next? next? And so people want to know what happens to those that remain in Shetland and what happens to Robert who leaves. So my story uh, as a sequel will be Robert's story, Robert Leslie, the younger Robert, who comes to America. And this is, of course, accurately, accurate historically. Um, and so I'm researching, but you know, there's so much I don't know about the late 1800s, this period of industrial revolution. I mean, steamships and railway and all of the things that impacted his life. He, he settled in Illinois, the state mm. of Illinois in the middle of our country. And I visited there with my husband last May 
and we actually spent time in the town called Tolono. So if I write a sequel, that will be in the name, Tolono. Maybe Tolono, maybe Tolono Steam, I'm, I'm thinking of possibly might be the title because he is a, um, an agent at the railway where the two main railways cross in the state of Illinois. And that was a time of great change of transportation and trade and industry. So I might write a story about that, but I have to get my head into the mindset of a man, and I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> well, it'll be fascinating to see the result <laughs> when, when that finally comes out. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, where can people find out more about you, or where can people get a copy of your book? Or My website is heatherlesliehammer.com. That's my full name. Heather's my first name. Leslie's my maiden name. And Hammer's my married name. HeatherLeslieHammer.com. And uh, on that website, a resource to know about at the bottom of the homepage is a link to a study guide that I have written for groups of people reading this book together to personalize the experience of reading, to read the chapters and then to reflect on their own lives. Where have they found faith in hard times, for example? What experiences in life do they have in common with those in Shetland a long time ago in a faraway place? We have a universal experience of loss and resilience that we can find in our faith. And that's the message of the book, really. So that's on my um, homepage. The book is available by the book on that homepage um, from Whip and Stock. Publishers, Resource Publications is the part of that publishing company that has published this, and also Amazon.com. You can get it on Prime very quickly, and the book is printed in the UK, so you don't have to pay postage from the US. Um, they have oh, their printers good. in various countries of the world, so, um, yeah, yeah. and it is... That'll be on Amazon.co.uk or whatever right. country That's right, so it on. should be available quite readily. It's on the shelf in Shetland at the bookstore there. There's a small bookstore. Oh, wow, brilliant. That's so good to <laughs> so know. So I'm really happy to know that. I, I would love it if it would be other places on the shelf, but I don't know yet that it has get, come to that point yet. And you know what? If you're listening to this podcast right now and you are on the islands of Shetland, please do send us an email. It'll be fantastic to connect with someone who's listened to us talking about Shetland Mist and you actually are on one of the Shetland Islands right now yourself. So do send us an email. Um, you could find the contact details um, on heatherlesliehammer.com or contact me, Um That would be fantastic. And of course, if you've been listening to this podcast, we would love for you to keep in touch. We have a Facebook group just for fans of the Christian Book Blurb podcast. So head over to Facebook and join the fans of Christian Book Blurb podcast group and we can discuss all sorts of things. So if you've been to Shetland, for example, or you'd like to go, let's get a Shetland discussion going over there on our Facebook group. So do go and check that out. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real fun time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you as well for listening. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, The Memoir um, Standing in the Storm, written by myself, Matt McClary. And you can get that on Amazon or mattmcclary.com or wherever you get your good Christian books from. So thank you so much to our sponsor. 
and thank you to you. And do join us again really soon for another episode of the Christian Book Club, where I will be speaking to another fantastic Christian author about their books, their life, and their faith. Thank you, and goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share, and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.